Amen. Let's thank the Christian uh, worship team. Thank you guys. What a gift this morning. His, maybe you're sitting here. Did you know you're loved by God? I, I hope as you were singing that, you would be reminded of that amazing, awesome love that's hard to describe. It really is. So we are going to continue in our series on the seven signs of the kingdom that we started at the beginning of this year. We're already in February. Hard to believe, but we are going to continue this uh, next Sunday will be the final uh, sermon in this series, and then we're going to start a new series called The Trail to the Cross, and it's going to be in John, so we're going to stay in the Gospel of John, but we're going to be looking at Jesus and how he w prepared and went to the cross. And uh, it's interesting, one thing I love about the Gospels is, you know, most of the story of the gospel, some of it is about Jesus and his ministry and his life, but most of it's about the passion of Christ, the purpose. The reason he came was to die on a cross. And so we're going to be looking at certain events and stories as Jesus prepared for that, and, uh, and we will culminate at Easter. And that's going to be a wonderful celebration. We can celebrate his resurrection today, but it will be a joy to be able, together as a church, proclaim to our community that, hey, Jesus is risen, and we, we trust and we believe in him, and he's with us. He's alive. And so as we go through this series, I just invite you to think about the way of the cross. And I call it a trail because there's lots of trails here in the Black Hills, right? But a trail is a narrow way. It's not a broad way. It's a narrow way. And the way of the cross is not a popular way. And Jesus went this way to show us and to give us life. So we're going to be looking at that. But these last uh, five, six weeks as we've looked at the seven sides of the kingdom, we started looking at Jesus as the new and the better wine at the feast. And, and that wedding feast was only a foretaste of a, a wedding feast that is going to come that we're all going to enjoy with them. And then we looked at Jesus giving life to the official son and, and realizing that Jesus is the life. And then we looked at Jesus as the of our bodies and our souls and, and how he healed the paralytic man by the pool. And then we looked at Jesus as the bread of life, this abundance and overflowing love and provision for people. Amazing. Jesus, last week we looked at, is the Lord of creation. And we look forward to a new world, a new creation that will be free from fear and full of beauty and all that is right. And today we're going to be looking at Jesus as the light of the world in John 9. But before we go there, uh, each Sunday in the series we've been looking back at John chapter 1, right? Kind of the foundation where we learn about Jesus and who he is as the word of God. And last week we looked at how Jesus, that through him all things were made. But today, this morning, we're going to be reminded that Jesus is life. And, he's, and that life is the light of all mankind. And he, I'm sorry, I lost it. <laughs> I was going to quote it, but I'm going to read it to you this morning. And he, in him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was in the world. 
And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And we're going to be looking at this morning in John chapter 9, how Jesus is that light. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 9? It will also be up on the screens this morning. And would you please stand in respect to God's word as we go into his word this morning? Starting in verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said to him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. And the man went and washed and came back home seen. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. And then, When were your eyes opened? they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. And where is this man? they asked him. I don't know, he said. You may be seated. So another interesting encounter with Jesus. And it's full of surprises as we've seen in this, this journey as we've looked at these signs that Jesus has done to point to the kingdom. The first thing I notice in verse 1, it says, This man was blind and Jesus saw him. This man was blind and Jesus saw him. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times we go through life and we, we miss things. We miss people. But what I love about Jesus is he saw this man. I'm sure this man had sat in the same place for a long time. A lot of people had walked by, but Jesus didn't walk by. He saw this man, and he noticed him, and he asked about him. And I love that about God. I love that he sees people. He sees us. And so Jesus asked about him, and the disciples had a question to Jesus about why he was in this condition. Now, suffering, and I think this story is about suffering, is a common, normal, human experience. Now, I wish it wasn't, but it is. The reality is we all suffer, and, and some people, it seems, suffer more than others, but we all suffer. We all suffer. It, in fact, one day all of us will get sick and we will die. There's an endpoint to our life. And so the reality of suffering is, is huge in our own lives and the world around us. And some people, like this man born blind, it's all they've known. I, I, I've always been able to see, but maybe there's some here who struggle with eyesight. But, but those who have never seen, could you try to imagine, picture what that could be like? We, we depend so much on our eyes, and so much of the joy of life is being able to see what is around us. And this man never knew that joy. And so this question of suffering, the disciples asked Jesus about the cause of it. 
And we're going to dive into this and see that Jesus has an amazing answer to that. But the, the disciples wanted to, wanted to blame someone. And so many times we can go there with suffering. But, but a lot of people have said suffering is a, a problem for Christianity. But I don't think it is. I think we're going to see Jesus and confront suffering in a whole new way that gives it a new sense of meaning. And he embraces suffering. Now, we can look at how people have tried to answer this question. What, why do we suffer? Why is there evil? Why is there wrong in our world? And, and if I look around at how people have tried to answer that, you see how Buddhists have said, really, we succumb to suffering. And the, the Muslim sees suffering as God's judgment. And the secularist or, or the atheist finds no meaning or hope in suffering. It's random chance. But the way Jesus confronts suffering is he embraces it, and ultimately he redeems it. He redeems suffering. And that's significant as we look at the story of the man born blind. In verses 3 through 5, we see Jesus' response to the disciples of who sinned. And I love his answer because it gives us hope. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Isn't that wonderful news? <laughs> that we don't have to carry the shame and the guilt of suffering. But Jesus said, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. So Jesus inter introduces a new dimension to suffering. Not just the human dimension, but the, this idea that God is sovereign, that he is over all things, and that he has a purpose and a plan for all things. And we see Jesus saying that the, the condition of this man isn't just about him. It's about ultimately about God's glory and his work in the world. And so this man, I'm sure, felt very small, begging on the side of the street with people walking by every day, not even giving him the time of day. But Jesus looked at this man and saw his condition, and he said, there is something amazing that God has in store for this man. Beautiful. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed. You see, Jesus not only noticed suffering, but he, he walked the road of suffering. And today we have these beautiful ornate crosses on our church, and, and, and for us they're symbols of life and hope. But if a first century person walked in here and they saw those crosses up there, they would think we were nuts, that we were crazy. They would say, what's wrong with these people? And they would have a look of horror on their eyes because for them the cross was an instrument of torture. It was the epitome of human suffering. It was a picture of oppression and control and fear. And for the Romans, it was, it was a tool to control people. And for the Jews, it was a symbol of immense pain. And isn't it amazing that Jesus came to experience that horror? And so for the first century person, this would have been the most irreligious symbol in the world. This would have been the worst thing to think about. But Jesus took it on. He embraced it. He allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. He allowed the shame and the guilt and the ugliness of that cross. He turned suffering upside down. He made it the greatest symbol of love, <laughs> the greatest symbol of hope, 
the greatest symbol of freedom. Jesus took that suffering upon himself and he redeemed it. He redeemed it. Jesus is the light of the world and he references that here. He says, it's day but night is coming. He's referring to the cross. He's talking about suffering and his own suffering that he's going to face. But he says, while I am in the world, I am the light. You see that light, that ability to redeem the worst of suffering? In verses 6 through 12, we see how Jesus heals this blind man, how he, how he addresses the condition that this man is in. Now, I'm sure some of you came, and as you're, as you're reading through this, you're wondering, okay, what in the world is going on with Jesus spitting on the ground and making mud? Well, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea why Jesus did that. I'm sure there is some meaning there, and someone at, after the second service said, well, well, that was Jesus's life fluid. I don't know for sure. I don't understand why Jesus did this, but what I do want to look at is in verse 7, is Jesus sends this man to the pool. Now, I think that's significant. I don't want to rush over that because Jesus is giving dignity to this man. Now, this man was a beggar. He was dependent on people, and and there's nothing that hurts our dignity more than to be helpless, right? We want to be part of something. And so Jesus had the power to heal him instantly, but instead he invited this man to be part of his healing. And so he sent him to this pool, and he went and washed. And so I love that Jesus not only sees this man's condition, but he gives him dignity. He gives him respect. And he allows this man to go and to wash and to experience the power of God. Now, a controversy comes out of this encounter with Jesus because some of the neighbors, some of the people said, that's not the man <laughs> that was born blind. And, and so this poor guy kind of gets put on a, on a pedestal and all these people are questioning and attacking him. And we don't have time this morning to go through chapter 9, but, but basically the, the Pharisees or the religious leaders put him on a trial and they, they accuse him of all kinds of things of 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 abusing the Sabbath, of allowing Jesus to do this work with them. And, and so basically they end up throwing him out of the worship service. So it'd be like someone was here and got healed and we said, you know what, we don't want you with us anymore. Get out of here. <laughs> isn't, that up, isn't that crazy? But that's how they responded to this situation. But I love, as we sang this morning, that, that reckless, amazing love of God in verses 35 through 41. We see Jesus find this man. Jesus pursued this man. He found him. And in verse 30, 35, Jesus found him. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And that's the question all of us have to wrestle with as we look at the life of Jesus, as we encounter the words of Jesus, and we see the power of Jesus. We either have to decide, do we believe? Do we believe he is the Word of God? Do we believe he is the light of the world? Do we believe he can redeem our suffering? We have to ask that question because that's the question Jesus is asking us even this morning. Do we believe? And he asked this blind man, do you believe? In verse 36 and 37, the man asked, tell me so I might believe in him. And then 37, Jesus said, now you've seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. And so this man physically for the first time in his life could actually see Jesus. 
But Jesus is probing his heart because he cares about his soul, his heart, and his eternal well-being. And so Jesus questions him. He invites him to believe and to receive. And in 38, the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And he worshiped him. And my dear brothers and sisters, we are here today to worship God because He is the light of the world. And as we look at those crosses and we're reminded of what He does to redeem, and He takes the ugly, sinful suffering of our lives, and He turns it around, and He gives us hope, He gives us a future, He gives us life. And how do we respond? We believe and we worship. We were created to glorify Him because He's beautiful, He's awesome. And that is why we sing. That's why we devote so much of our time singing. Not only here, but I hope even during the week that you have moments where you're reminded of the beautiful love and redeeming power of God and you worship Him like this man worshiped. Now, as we look at how this man responded, Jesus is sifting. And we talked about this on staff this week as we looked at this passage with the other pastors and and, and I really wrestled with this because later Jesus said, For judgment I've come into the world, so the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. And we've seen throughout each of these signs, people have responded differently to Jesus. Like, I, I, my prayer for us this morning is that we'll all be like the blind man, but, but the reality in, in the story of the gospel and the reality in our world is not everyone responds that way to Jesus. We see in the story that some people like the crowd were were interested in Jesus but they wanted him on their own terms they weren't willing to go in all the way and become his followers they they were they were they liked to be on the outside just kind of watching and enjoying the benefits but they didn't really want Jesus they didn't really believe that he was the word of god and then there were the pharisees and the jewish leaders who we see their pride and their hardness where where they're so centered on themselves that they can't even appreciate this man being able to see, right? But, but in their own man-made religion, there was no room for Jesus. There was no room for Jesus. But then the third person is what I hope all of us will respond. Not only the blind man, but as we go through each of these signs, there were few who responded. And I, I want to invite the worship team up. And as they're coming up, the blind man, when he was on this trial, the Pharisees were grilling him, asking him questions. And you know what he said? He said, I can't tell you how this happened. All I can say is, I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> I was blind, and now I see. And that's, that's our story. We, too, were lost in our sin. Maybe we're lost in our suffering and a lot of different things. But Jesus finds us. He loves us. And when we respond like this man and we have humility, we recognize our condition, we recognize our need for Jesus, we obey Jesus, we receive his grace, his power, and we're unashamed in declaring him and worshiping him, we experience life. Let's worship him this morning. The last song we're going to sing, the more I seek you. It's really just